So what do you do when your life seems to be just spiraling out of control? Yeah, sometimes you go to the amusement park and you hop on those wild and crazy ro- roller coasters and it's a lot of fun. That corkscrew going upside down, but it's not so much fun when it's your life that you say, it is out of control and I don't know what to do about it. Well, I'm glad you're tuning in because I want to provide you some steps, some actual concrete things that you can do to prevent the spiral and get your life back on track. Now, the first thing I want to say is if you feel like your life is spiraling out of control, I don't know if you should take solace in this or not, but you're not alone. I've never seen so many people come to me and say, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Everybody's really struggling, me in particular. And then you maybe you get back on that track, you start heading down the road, and then you fall again. You say, oh, that's it. Proof, evidence, my life will never get back on track. No, it actually can, and it will. There are some steps that you've got to take, but I want you to consider as you try to get your life back on track that relapse is actually part of recovery. When I'm working with addicts, I'll say this to their families. It's like, yeah, you fell off the wagon. Yeah, she's using again. It happens, but you can get back up after what you consider failure. And that's actually one of the first things that I want to address. When you feel like your life is really spiraling, I want you to become aware of the words that you use with yourself. What is that self-talk? Are you saying things like, I'll never get back up. My life will never be better again. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. Because you've got to check that. How you speak to yourself actually really matters because at some point, your brain and your body is going to hear those words, I'm a failure, I'm a loser, and it's going to say, okay, well, let's just get in line with this and act like a failure. But you can change that. And I think the first thing to do is to be aware of that self-talk and reframe things like, I'm a failure, with something like, you know what, this is a setback. And again, as I like to explain it, failure is something like, that's internal. That's a part of who you are when you say that. I'm a loser. I'm no good. But when you use a word like, hey, this is a setback, that's something external. And setback is understood as being something temporary. So how do you avoid the spiral? Well, one of the things that you might be doing is you might be avoiding Right? Maybe part of the spoil is just avoidance. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get anything going again, so I'll just have another cocktail. Or I'll never get anything straightened out, so I'm just going to run from this problem. I'm going to just pretend like it doesn't exist. And that might be you. And again, it's not uncommon. A lot of people do this. You might just be avoiding the problems rather than saying, I got to look at the problem. And I get it if you said, Joe, I'm tired of looking at the problem. The problem is exhausting. How do I change this? Well, you can look at the problem, I would say, with some self-compassion. What does that actually mean? Well, it's one of those things that's been looked at by researchers, and they say, you know what? With a little self-compassion or self-love, you can change that trajectory, that downward spiral, from the negative to something that's good. So how do you do all that? These are great questions. And again, sometimes you've got to allow yourself some space, some time, and just say, you know what? This isn't failure. This is a setback. I am not going to do this perfectly. One of the first rules I give myself when I do something really 
difficult, like get my own life in order (laughs) or another challenge, like write a new book or write a new song. I actually give myself permission to write badly. Just put it out there. Get all those ideas out there. The only really bad ideas are the ideas that never see the light of day or never see the page. So when you try to prevent yourself or step back up and move into the, the flow that you want your life to go, because you're spiraling out of control, recognize that you're going to do this imperfectly. And like with all of us, just like how God treats you and your sin when you've messed up and welcome to the club that makes you human, choose to exercise some self-compassion rather than the self-criticism. Think about the dialogue you use with yourself when you make mistakes. If you're spiraling out of control, what are you saying to yourself? I'm no good. I'm a loser. Life will never get any better. I can never do anything right. Those black and white negative statements, toss those aside. They're not helping you. They're not going to help you move in a positive direction. You can't set impossible standards for yourself. And then when you fail to reach them, again, it just reinforces the idea, I'm no good. Recognize that this is a difficult time and this is a difficult time in your own life. And the way forward sometimes is really messy. And that's why it's important to have people who are compassionate with you in your life. And if you don't have anybody in your life, to be compassionate with yourself. Now, I hope you do have somebody in your life. I hope at least you recognize that God is in your life, that God loves you completely wherever you are. And the struggling mess of all humanity, God entered in. And God's going to enter into the struggling mess of your humanity, of your spiral. And he's going to treat you with that compassion. And you've got to allow yourself to be loved. You've got to exercise that compassion with yourself. Remember the most important command, Matthew chapter 22. The Pharisees now, they ended up asking a great question, but they were actually didn't have good intent. They were trying to trip Jesus up. Teacher, they asked. Which command in God's law is the most important? Well, love the Lord your God with all your passion, your prayer, your intelligence. This is the most important. And there's a second one to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. Think about the compassion that you would have for a friend, for a son, for a daughter, for a spouse, for an uncle, for a neighbor that you actually cared about, and they messed up, how would you treat them? Would you go in and throw insult into the already shame and hurt that they're experiencing? Yeah, you're no good. Not if you actually love this person, not if you actually want to be a part or an agent in change and helping them to support them to move their life forward, to get out of the spiral. You would treat them with compassion. So those same words that you would use to somebody else that you wanted to encourage Use those words with yourself. There was a study that was published in the personality, um, the personality and Social Psychology Bulletin. You should read it every day. <laughs> and they talk about self-compassion and its value. And what does that actually mean? Well, it means just noticing that you're in pain. Again, you don't have to run from it. You don't have to suppress it. You don't have to detach from it. You don't have to get caught up in it. All these things are just feelings. You can acknowledge your pain and say, yep, 
I'm hurting right now. But just because you feel that pain, it doesn't mean you are that pain. Remember, experiencing distress, experiencing pain and hurt, experiencing loss, that is part of what makes you human. This is the human condition. And when God speaks about love, this is the antidote to that oh-so-frail human condition that leaves you from time to time spiraling. But how you deal with it, how you speak about it really matters. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, he said, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, each word a gift. Remember, this isn't just about how you talk to other people. This is how you speak to yourself. The same God that enters into your neighbor's life, your children's lives, he enters into your life. Make room for that. Be compassionate with yourself and be aware of how you speak to yourself. Again, having this self-compassion has a positive impact on your well-being and, believe it or not, your physical health. But most importantly, what we're talking about is beginning with this self-compassion can actually help you change the trajectory, this downward spiral, into something good. So think about it this way. If it's hard to speak kindly to yourself, what are the words that you'd use with somebody else that you love that you wanted to encourage? If necessary, write those words down. Now do something really difficult. Speak those words to yourself. Allow yourself to be encouraged with the words that you say through self-compassion. Again, this is consistent with the gospel. When Paul was speaking, he wrote about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And Paul's speaking about the honors, you know, how to honor your leaders who work so hard for you, etc., etc. But he said, overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Get along among yourselves, each of you doing your part gently encourage the stragglers reach out to the exhausted pulling them up by their to their feet be patient with each person that includes you attentive to your needs and be careful that when you get on each other's nerves or i want to add when you get on your own nerves when you're beating yourself up don't snap paul says look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. Now, what is your best to bring out the best in you? Begin by treating yourself with compassion. Let it go. You messed up. Welcome to the human race. Now, I say another step that you might want to consider after you say, okay, I've got this compassion thing. Now, what do I do, Joe? <laughs> well, I'm so glad you asked. You know, it's tough. And sometimes you have to just say, stop. It is one of the best tools I have in my tool belt, the stop button. Wow, Joe, you are like a tool expert. (laughs) Yeah, it actually saves me a lot of grief because sometimes somebody will irk me and I'll have this something rise up. It's like, oh, I can't believe they did that to me. And it could be righteous. But then I say, wait a second. Just because you thought this, just because you felt this, just because they did something doesn't mean you have to respond immediately slow down learn how to hit the pause button you will avoid a lot of mistakes 
when you feel yourself to be on that downward spiral, if you just say, wait, slow down, let me just look. Let me just breathe into this situation. Because when you calm yourself, literally what you're doing when you start to breathe and you slow down your breathing is you allow that creative part of your brain rather than just the fight or flight mechanism to actually open up and begin to look at solutions. So learn how to make and hit that pause button. Give yourself some space. Maybe for you it means, okay, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to go take a run. That's okay. Okay, I'm really beating myself, so you know what? I'm just going to call up my friend who always makes me laugh. Nice. Or go work out or go take your dog for a walk or give your cat a bath. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I try to avoid my cat jokes, but every once in a while it just slips in. So I'll pause the next time before my mouth speaks something about cats, like giving your cat a bath. I saw one on the internet the other day. That cat looked like it enjoyed it. So if you just think maybe your cat would enjoy it, what am I going to say? Don't do it. Okay, I digress. But again, when you're feeling overwhelmed, right, a lot of times what you do, if you don't hit that pause button, is you try to do something immediately. I've got to immediately try to make this work out. I've got to change things. You actually don't. The truth is you might have spent months or decades getting yourself into this mess. You don't have to solve it immediately. In fact, I would say let go of that idea. You can't solve it immediately. The best thing that you can do is slow down, is to breathe, is to pray, is to bring God into the messiness of your life. Now, the common term that's used in psychobabble terms or circles, <laughs> those of us who are therapists, we use a term called mindfulness. And what does that actually mean? Well, first of all, I want you to know that however you define it or whatever it means to you, it is actually something I would say very effective. Now, maybe for you, it's that time in prayer. For me, that's what it is. When I'm mindful, that means I'm just slowing down. I do this in the morning in particular. I grab my cup of coffee, I grab my Bible, and I just breathe. And then I focus on my blessings. I focus on God. I try to just listen rather than speak and ask God for things. I just say, here I am. And I enter into that presence very quietly. And it makes me aware of the present moment. It calms me. So I would say mindfulness for you, it doesn't have to look exactly like that for you. But mindfulness is about slowing down, just becoming aware of your feelings, your thoughts, your bodily sensations. And again, I think scripture actually is, encourages you to exercise this kind of discipline, being attentive to your mind, your heart, setting aside those attachments, all those desires, and just move into that quiet awareness of God's moment-to-moment provision, just listening. Remember when one of the prophets, he was looking for God and he was running. And did he find God in the earthquake or the fire? No, he was in that quiet, small, still voice. But unless you hit the pause button or exercise that mindfulness, you might not hear God's quiet voice. Mindfulness, again, it's about paying attention in the moment to something. It means really slowing down. Becoming aware of your bodily sensations, what you're doing, being aware of your breathing. 
Mindfulness is the opposite of doing. Now, again, sometimes life is about doing. But I would say your doing is going to be much more effective if you stop first and just become aware. Because when you do that, your brain opens up and it says, oh, you know what? I know what I should do. So you can't live in meditation land. You can't just live with this non-existence doing nothing. It's not about that. It's not about being lazy. It's about becoming prayerful and attentive to what's really going on, which relaxes the body and allows that creative part of the brain to open up. To not judge your experience, to not strive for something, but just to become aware. Okay, right now, I'm angry. Right now, I'm sad. Where do I feel that sadness? What is the thought that accompanies this feeling that I'm no good? Just look at all this without judging it. You don't have to immediately take action, but take a beat. That's going to give you the opportunity to consider the long-term consequences of the actions that you may have to take. But a lot of times, we're so moved and we feel so pressed to do, to do, to do. But I say our Christian life is about something completely different. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm just going to paraphrase it. He said, if you decide to live for God, he said, then you don't fuss about things like what's served at dinner or the clothes in your closet, if they're fashionable or not. You're not focused on striving. You're not focused on all these external things. He said, look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to job description. They are careless in the care of God. And you too, when you enter into that place of peace, of prayerful worship and mindfulness and awareness of God, then you can become aware of how God is blessing you. You can become of that, aware of that peace that he wants to give you. You can become aware of the God reality, of the God initiative, of the God provisions. All of your concerns will be met, but slow down particularly if you feel your life is spiraling out of control. Now, this third thing I want to talk about might sound a little bit of a paradox. How do you find peace? How do you slow down? How do you stop the spiral right now? Drum roll, please. Consider your epilogue. Consider, and I encourage you to actually consider this. I do daily. Not that I think that you should follow me. I'm not the way. But God is the way. And God frequently says, hey, you got to be aware that this life that you're living right now, it's going fast. And this is not the permanent eternal life that I have set up for you. So go ahead and take a moment and think about what you would want said at your funeral. How would you want to be remembered? What is the legacy you want to leave behind? Psalms 49, it says, We aren't immortal. We don't last long. Like our dogs, we age and weaken and die. <laughs> that is stark. I'm aware of that. Every time I look in the mirror and I go, Hey, where did that wrinkle come from? Where did that gray hair come from? And I go, Oh, that comes from living, which is fine. 
you're passing through. But if you feel that your life is spiraling out of control, that it's just one giant rat race and you don't know how to stop it, recognize at some point you will be stopped. You will draw your final breath. And there was a study done, published in the Journal of Research and Personality, found that when people were asked about how they wanted to be remembered, or when they were asked to share memories that they thought represented them, most people narrated stories that portrayed them as good and virtuous. And what it did is it actually inspired them as they thought about this and they thought about these words that would be spoken at the end. What would you want people to say? How would you want to be remembered? And when you come up with those words, it's like, I want to be known as somebody who was a good father, a loving mother or husband or wife or friend. I want to be known as somebody who lived a life of integrity or sacrifice or service. If you feel your life is out of control, think about how you really want to be remembered. Oh, I remember Joe. He was a good man. Or I remember Sue. She was a wonderful woman. She was always so kind and so giving. He was so courageous and thoughtful, so self-sacrificing. Because when you think about that, it actually inspires you to become a better version of yourself right now. Remember, this resurrection life that you have received from God, it's not some grave-tending life. It's like, oh no, I'm going to die someday. It actually has just the opposite effect. It creates, as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, this adventurously expectant life. What now, God? God's spirit touches your spirit and confirms who you really are. You're not that out-of-control person. You might Feel that, but that is just a feeling. Remember, you are going to get what's coming to you, an unbelievable inheritance. Think about that. That's what God offers you. If you go through exactly what Christ goes through, which includes going through the hard times, because you will also go through the good times. Embracing your mortality can actually be that inspiration to say, what is it all about? I know I'm spiraling. I know I'm fretting. I know I'm really anxious. But wait a second. It's all going to come to an end. How do you want to be remembered? Paul says, let me tell you something wonderful. He said, a mystery. He said, I'll probably never fully understand He said, we're not all going to die, but we are all going to be changed. You're going to hear a blast to end all blasts from a trumpet. And in the time that you look up and you blink your eyes, it's over. The dead will be up and out of their graves beyond the reach of death forever. All of this, death, who's afraid of you now? When you think of your own mortality, you don't have to think of it and consider it with fear because what God offers is so much more than the frustration, than the difficulties of your life right now. That's why Jesus says, give your entire attention to what God is doing and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. And a lot of the spiraling that you're experiencing, the anxiety, the fears, it's about tomorrow. But what God says is, 
I will be here to help you deal with whatever things come up when the time comes. You don't have to avoid it. You don't have to ride the spiral down to out-of-control land. Stop. Be compassionate with yourself. Pause. Think about how you want to be remembered. This life is precious. This life is fleeting. How do you want to live your life? I will meet you back on the road. And remember, always forward.